Welcome to the Thrive Podcast from Syngenta, where the latest news, farming tips, and innovations come together to educate and inspire. The question for peanut farmers in the Southeast isn't whether disease will be an issue each season, but when the disease will show up and how heavy the pressure will be. 40 years ago, those peanut farmers weren't sure whether their industry would survive an onslaught from the tomato-spotted wilt virus. A concerted, collaborative industry effort found a way to manage that disease. University of Georgia plant pathologist Bob Kimmerite is one of the extension specialists who helped find the answer. He joins us today to recall that effort, talk about peanut RX, and the way forward for peanut farmers who are anticipating some heavy disease pressure this season. Thank you so much for joining us today, Bob. We'd love to get just a little bit of background on you and what your key area of expertise is in. Thank you for this opportunity, the chance always to talk about peanut diseases, peanut disease management, and collaborative efforts with industry like with Syngenta is something I not many things I love more doing. So thanks for this opportunity. I've been at the University of Georgia since 2000. I have a 100% or nearly 100% extension role. I'm responsible for disease nematode management in the peanuts, corn, cotton, and soybeans. So today we'll definitely be focusing more on peanuts and your peanut expertise. So specifically focusing on the tomato spotted wilt virus. So from my understanding, this was a new disease relatively in the 1980s, right? But it started in Texas, but it didn't really pose a threat for that Georgia region or the Southeast region until a little bit later. So tell me um, what the origin of this disease in the Southeast is and, you know, what impact that had on peanut growers. Yeah, that's that's exactly correct. It started in Texas. And I remember being a graduate student in the, the University of Florida in the mid-1990s. And we saw it. We just thought it was where we were around Gainesville, thought it was kind of uh, uh, incidental and weren't that worried about it. But in truth, once it became established and it's spread by a couple of Western flower thrips and tobacco thrips, and once those thrips were there to vector it and we had the varieties, we quickly learned that we did not have any real varietal resistance. That this disease in the mid-1990s truly was a threat to the peanut industry in the Southeast and certainly in Georgia, uh, which has a large peanut acreage, as you know. And we were trying to figure out what the losses were, up to 12, 15% loss associated with this disease. So it really was a threat to the industry. Uh, we really didn't have uh, a good handle at the time on how to manage it. And it was through a collaborative effort with uh, some folks like Dr. Steve Brown and Dr. Albert Colbert and other entomologists like uh, Dr. Jim Todd through the breeders, like Dr. Dan Gorbett, uh, the agronomist. And they realized they all had parts that explained what was happening. And when they put those together, they realized they could come up with something which was fairly unique at the time and which has been a platform for others in the, since then is to develop a risk index, taking in all the factors that they recognized had an impact on the severity of tomato spotted wilt virus, whether it was a variety you planted, when you planted, what kind of insecticide you put in furrow, what was your seeding rate, whether you used twin rows or single rows, all those factors could be combined into an index with weighted risk points for which contributed greatest to the risk, such as your planting date and your varieties, and which contributed less might be the tillage that you used. And they put it together in a way that growers could look simply and take all the research that had been done, all the hours, all the research trials into single uh, information, single risk index, and help them determine before the season even started how to try and minimize risk. Really, it was innovative. It was a very uh, well-received in its simplicity, but also in its efficacy. And we continue to build upon it today. Yeah, that's incredible. And the growers really were the ones to benefit from that with the simplicity of looking at the tomato spot wilt risk index and having all that information at their fingertips of, okay, this is how I can manage for this. Now I understand that the index has evolved into PNRx to help support the grower when they're looking at the diseases in their 
field. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, this had its genesis, as we mentioned, as you mentioned, in the tomato spot of wilt disease and back in the 90s and when it threatened the industry. I got to the University of Georgia in 2000. By about 2005, 2006, we were thinking that this idea of, of a risk management tool, it, it, didn't, it didn't just fit in peanuts for tomato spotted wilt virus, but we recognized that a lot of the same factors, your planting dates, the variety you planted, a lot of those factors also affected uh, important diseases in peanuts in addition to tomato spotted wilt virus. And those would be white mold and they would be leaf spot diseases. And so the beauty of this system that began in the 1990s is it's very open to expansion. Today, it's a very similar index, but it's expanded to help growers to fight and manage risk to other diseases as well. That's awesome. Okay, so curious what other diseases this can help with and what were some of those different solutions and management practices that were developed coming out of some of the knowledge in these programs? What I would say the biggest thing that's come out of it is not only with peanut or can growers predict before they put any seed in the ground, they can predict what's their risk to white mold, the least spot, tomato spotted wilt virus. And from there, they can modify those production practices. They can say, well, if I change my variety or if I adjust my planting date, or if I consider a different seeding rate, or if I switch from one product to another product, I can mitigate, I can lower the risk to these diseases before they even put seed in the ground, they're able to do that. And it's not only before they put seed in the ground. With the use of peanut RX, we have what we call prescription fungicide programs. And this is where industry has bought in and really is a rewarding, one of the most rewarding things in my career where industry has stepped in and said, if a grower follows peanut RX, then the prescription fungicide programs for a grower who finds that he or she's at low risk because of variety and rotation, those factors, their fungicide program may be very different than a grower who plants peanuts in the field year after year after year with a susceptible variety. They can use different fungicide programs. You are rewarded for being a good steward and a good manager. And I think those two things, the simplicity, being able to predict risk before the season begins, and also the innovation in modifying fungicide programs based upon your risk are are truly exceptional about the other X. Yeah. Wow. It's really cool that there's just different options and tools for them to use going into the season to make those best management decisions. I don't have to tell a peanut grower anywhere in the United States that rotation is important. I don't have to tell a grower that a variety selection is important. I don't have to tell them planting date can affect it. But what this index does, what all of the research, and now it's not just from the University of Georgia and from Auburn and University of Florida, but now it includes Mississippi State University. It includes Clemson University. All of this research is put together, and now it says, yes, we know rotation is important, but we can quantify the impact of rotation, say, versus uh, which variety you're going to plant. Or if you choose to use twin rows, how does that r- affect your risk versus single row? So it's not just an index which says rotation is important, variety is important, your row tillage is important. It allows you to put a numeric value to that and see how much your risk changes as far as risk of these three diseases based upon the management decisions you make. And that's the real power. It allows you to see and to quantify your risk and how adjusting factors allows you to do that. Yeah, you made a really good point that, you know, nobody's contesting that resistance management or those things are really important. Those are just kind of a given, right? So this takes it a step further and gets a little bit more into the nitty gritty of it. And I think taking a little bit of a different twist right now, I would just love to hear from your perspective, what are some of the key diseases that you're seeing with your peanut growers? That's an outstanding uh, question, observation, because diseases go hand in hand. 
with peanut production. You know, that's one of the struggles we have with organic peanut production is simply the fact that there's so many diseases that can cause catastrophic losses in the field. Mm-hmm. I would say that uh, year in, year out, uh, southern stem blight or southern stem rot, or as I call it, white mold caused by sclerotium rolls, will always be and continues to be a major disease for our peanut growers. It's one that's a soil-borne pathogen. It's very difficult to control because you don't know exactly when it's going to start, and we're applying fungicides to the top of the foliage when we need them down the crown of the plant, and that's uh, that's something that that's tricky. Uh, we Fortunately, we have good fungicides that we didn't have 30 years ago. A lot of us recognize that leaf spot, especially late leaf spot, uh, has become uh, as, as important in some fields or a number of fields in the past few years as much or more important than uh, white mold has been. Mm. A disease we thought we had a foot away, it was incidental. Now leaf spot's a problem too. So we have to be very careful in how we manage both stem rot or white mold and leaf spot diseases in order to maximize profit and yield. I want to circle back to the management question in a second as far as fungicides go, but you've mentioned that leaf spot lately has been more of an issue than I guess maybe it has in the past or it's resurfacing as a major problem similar to white mold. Um, so why do you think that is and you know what has made it become more of an issue again in your opinion? No, that's a great question because you know, five, six years ago when I did grower meetings, all the growers wanted to hear me talk about was managing white mold and managing nematodes. Uh, and occasionally it's tomato spot, a wilt virus, managing leaf spot disease, especially late leaf spot. If you stayed on a recipe, if you started it 30 days after planting and you sprayed every 14 days and you finished up at the end of the season, most growers took that out of the equation. But we're seeing it more and more now. And I think that part of it has to do with environmental conditions. But if you take in the climate and the environment um, and some of our varieties too, we've had a few varieties that come out that have been more susceptible to leaf spot. Uh, that kind of caught us off guard. You add all of those, the environment, the weather, the rotation, uh, the intense production of peanuts, um, all of that adds up to greater problems with the disease that uh, we really thought we had a handle on. And sometimes now, despite our best efforts, it still is a problem. Interesting. Thank you for that background. That was really insightful and totally makes sense. So yeah, with the different climate changes lately, like that that makes sense. So next question, I guess, again, touching back on that management piece, what would your recommendation be? I know that not every program obviously is the, like, is the same and you can't recommend the same thing to every grower, but is there a baseline of kind of what you would recommend or you know, what are some key things to look for in those fungicide applications that would lead to more effective management? Well, absolutely. I think that's a, you, you hit upon a question that growers have all the time. And I think it can be summed up in this, that the production costs are going up and not going down. Fuel prices are going up, not down. And growers are looking for ways to get greater value out of everything they do. The first thing I'll tell growers is, especially in a year like this, with conditions very favorable for white mold leaf spot diseases, the, the biggest mistake they can make is to cut corners without carefully considering what the, what the consequences could be. Simply cutting the expense of a program uh, in order to cut the expense of a program may backfire. What you save in fungicide application costs may come back and haunt you in terms of lost yield. So the first thing is disease management is absolutely critical for the top yields. You can't make top yields if you don't take disease out of the equation or manage it. And so cutting back on a fungicide program just because it's less expensive uh, by by using uh, fewer applications or by using products that are not as good may come back and haunt you. So the first thing is recognize we invest in a fungicide program 
not because we necessarily want to, but because it makes us more money. The second thing with any peanut fungicide program or fungicide program in general is, is we have to stay ahead of disease. If we get behind the disease, if we're not paying attention, if we go to the beach and don't get back until late, then the problem it's, it gets increasingly hard. Where we probably have problems with late leaf spot at the end of the year, a lot of times we can go back and find where, for whatever reason, sprays were missed or should have been sprayed and weren't or weather kept us out of the field. So using the right fungicide program, understanding that the cheapest program may not be the program to make you the most money, and understanding that timeliness, getting the right products out at the right time is critical. And the third thing is don't be afraid to use a, a football term called an audible mid-season. If what you're doing doesn't seem to be taking you where you want to go, then call an audible, call a different play. Uh, you might compress a spread or, or you might bring a different fungicide in simply based upon how effective it is against a specific situation you're seeing at this time. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. That's a really good point. Absolutely. I would say if you look at some of the best growers we have, and not just peanut growers, but growers in general, they're they're nimble. They're nimble in the sense that even though they grow large acreage, they are anticipating and looking forward to what would the next call be. When you farm thousands of acres, it's not always easy to make those changes, but but to at least anticipate and to be as nimble as you can, given the situation you're at in the field. Start with a good plan, start with a good program, but don't be afraid to uh, to adjust it as, as if the weather turns. And the point is that collaboration between University of Georgia or University Research, between University Extension and industry, regardless of the company, but in this case, Syngenta with PNRX, has been essential in establishing where we are now. And I can't overemphasize that enough. We're all in it for the good of the growers. Like you said, collaboration is really the key of what will continue to propel ag forward and what will continue to propel innovation forward and really set our growers up for success year after year. So thank you so much for your insight. Yes, thanks so much for inviting me. And uh, I appreciate all the uh, all the opportunities to speak at any time to with growers and those who are interested in management of diseases affecting peanut crop. Growers can also visit SyngentaUS.com slash peanut doctor for more insight and information on managing peanut diseases to harvest premium yields. Adam, it's no secret that the COVID-19 pandemic made us all go virtual for so many things like family game nights. I went to a virtual bridal shower and a baby shower for my cousin. We all became just experts in virtual meetings, you know, business on top, PGs on the bottom. Um, so I know y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, we all found the value just in those virtual platforms and technology, especially when it brings the in-person experiences that we were really missing right to us, um, right to our computers. And the Syngenta Grow More Experience sites took a page out of the virtual playbook too. Um, they've always offered those opportunities to just touch, see, you know, tear in and dig in site trials. And now they're taking it a step further um, and they're providing that opportunity to explore these sites from home. Yep, in your PJs if you want <laughs> uh, with the Grow More Experience virtual tours. That's right. Uh, virtual tours are available across Midwest locations and showcase topics from the soybean seed care to corn fungicide timing. There's definitely a ton of useful information for growers and those trusted advisors on these virtual sites, especially if it's not feasible, you know, to go visit an in-person location just for any reason, um, whether that's, you know, distance, location, timing, whatever it is. Yeah, and with tar spot, southern rust, and northern corn leaf blights effects on fields, if left untreated, the virtual experience really helps growers see the difference in plots treated early in the season compare programs, and get agronomic tips. We just really encourage y'all to check it out and see all there is to see at syngenta-us.com. 
slash agronomy slash virtual dash GME. So you can watch, scroll, zoom, and click through just relevant agronomic videos, photos, trial data, and results all year long or whenever you want to. And if you're interested in attending um, an in-person event through September, you can reach out to your Syngenta rep to schedule an in-person tour at a site near you. So um, we look forward to seeing kind of all the value that you guys get out of that. And we will see y'all next episode. Thank you for listening to the Thrive Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to receive the latest updates in your favorite podcast listening platform. Always read and follow legal instructions.